Thanks, Thanks be, to be to God. Thanks be to God. We uh, see in this passage that the Gospel of Mark is a missionary document, that Jesus was a missionary, that he's sending his uh, 12 disciples out as missionaries, and the, the church is a missionary institution. Now, few of us want to encounter a missionary, much less be one. Missionaries are those weirdos who carry placards and preach on street corners. They're the people that knock on our doors at dinner time. They're the ones who perhaps naively uh, partnered with Western colonial powers in making life a, a living hell for indigenous people. Being a missionary might not be something that we aspire to and likely isn't, but aren't we all looking for a mission in life, something that gives coherence to our fragmented lives and our fragmented desires? I found a a comment recently about uh, mission, about the meaning of life or lack thereof by a 16-year-old on a Yahoo message board. Now, once I got over the surprise that a 16-year-old was using Yahoo, I was uh, also surprised by how much more perceptive and thoughtful this person's comments were than your average internet message board comment. This person, I'm not sure if they uh, are male or female, they say, I realized in the past few months of my life that I'm scared of growing up and being insignificant, lost and alone. I'm scared of growing up, doing nothing with my life and not having the future that I want. I'm only 16 and I know that I have my whole life ahead of me, but I'm scared in case I screw up somewhere along the line and ruin everything. After watching movies and reading books, I get awfully depressed. Movies make me feel like I need to be part of something big, like I need to capture the happiness in the movie. I'm always thinking about growing up and wanting more than what I'll get, and I just feel like I'm insignificant. Even the big rolling symphonies or orchestras or film scores make me feel inside like I need to rise up and become something. But I just don't know how. I either need to learn how to believe in myself and progress or be happy with what I have and will have. I feel like I can't accomplish either of these. I know this makes me sound so ignorant and petty, but I just need somewhere to let it out. Well, no, in, in fact, it, it doesn't make this person sound ignorant or petty at all. It makes them sound very human, and it makes them sound a lot more honest than many of us often are. One doesn't really need a missionary to tell us that something is, is off about our world and our lives in it. Good music, good movies, good books can do that ones that sort of exegete the human condition and depict that feeling of of cosmic loneliness that all of us experience from time to time, that feeling that we're always on our way somewhere, 
but we never seem to really arrive. We never seem to really grasp what we're trying to find and hold on to. And we tend to try and fix the human condition to answer these big questions by getting more, by having more, by achieving more, by experiencing more, by traveling more, by being more. Then we can be whole and we can be happy. And the Bible says, Mark says, Jesus says that these hopes are actually false pathways and that they're far too small. In fact, that you can gain the entire world and lose your soul. It seems that these disciples that he is sending out two by two believed this. Why else would they sign up for this audacious and potentially dangerous plan to to walk from city to city and to tell people that God has shown up in Israel in the person of Jesus the carpenter. They were putting themselves in the crosshairs of the demonic, not to mention the state with its swords and crosses. We see in their yes to Jesus and in Jesus' instructions that They really do believe that the gospel has altered the direction of the entire world and upended its value system. It's changed for them where they expect hope and meaning to be found. And now, instead of pursuing life only for themselves, they're giving up their vocation. They're giving up their time and their comfort. They're giving up even life itself so that others may encounter the healing life of God. Now, curiously, Jesus spends a lot more time, at least here, talking about how they are to travel rather than what they are to teach on their way. We know that they are to cast out demons, they are to heal the sick, and they are to preach repentance. And this is sort of Mark's standard description of the gospel breaking out in real life, that these are the things that happen. And we know from our study so far that repentance, what they are preaching, what they are calling for, that repentance is far more than just a cataloging of our private sins that we ask forgiveness for. It's more than just a set of private spiritual insights or believing certain propositional truths, that repentance is being willingly embraced by the love that is behind all of creation. It's welcoming the healing grace of Jesus personally, and it's aligning one's life with the values of his kingdom and the community of care that we call the church. It's adopting if you will, a a whole new way to be human, a whole new way of living that seeks the realization and the embodiment of God's just and merciful reign here on earth in the present. Now, Mark also gives us clues here that these two people communities are meant to be miniature expressions of God's original intent for Israel. Israel was to be an advanced copy of heaven. It was to mediate God's healing presence in a broken world. 
Back in Genesis 12, we hear the promise to Abraham that God will make him into a great nation and will bless him, will make Abraham's name great so that he will be a blessing, that, he, that all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through Abraham. That was the commissioning of Israel, that Israel was meant to bring God's presence, his blessing upon people throughout the world. Israel was to be a missional outpost, gathering people into God's presence and his healing into an advanced copy of his kingdom. And by calling and sending 12 disciples, Jesus is reconstituting this purpose, for there were 12 tribes of Israel. You see, he's relaunching In these disciples, the very purpose for Israel to begin with. And the point of the church is in many respects the point of Israel. That is to bring God's redemption and rescue into all the world. These were Jesus' instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. These instructions seem quite odd. They seem fairly arbitrary, and they seem quite limiting. When I go down the street in normal times to a coffee shop, I don't go even for a few hours without my bag, my books, my money, my laptop, my reading glasses, my earbuds, my chargers, my wires, everything that I need just for a few hours. These people are going on a multi-day, potentially dangerous journey into unfamiliar towns. And they're to take none of these things. Now, this is not just an exercise of asceticism. Let's call it traveling light for a purpose. This list is not arbitrary at all. The sandals, the staff, the tunic is an additional clue that the disciples are carrying on the mission of Israel because these are essentially the same things that Israel is told to take out of Egypt in Exodus 12. And also in coming in such a humble state, his disciples are entering these towns not in power, not in domination, but in utter dependence that puts them at the mercy of their host and not the other way around. You see, they were no threat to the indigenous poor that they were encountering because that's what these disciples were. They were poor and now by choice dependent upon handouts essentially from the people in the town that they're visiting. Now Mark says that you'll know that you are in a receptive place when you see people, when you experience people who are willing to inconvenience themselves by taking you in and providing for your food and your shelter. Hearts that are open to a new world would be willing to put themselves at risk in sheltering these disciples, giving up money and comfort to provide them with a safe haven. Now envision this sort of reality in our world. Who would welcome this sort of visitation today? 
I don't know if you've met many of us Portlanders, but we're generally not stopping to ask street preachers or really any preacher, if we're honest, what do I, what must I do to be saved? Maybe we're not asking the questions that we normally expect missionaries to answer, but who isn't asking, where is love to be found? Where is meaning and purpose to be found? Like the 16-year-old kid who was reaching out on the Yahoo message board just for a chance of having someone resonate with his questions and maybe provide some direction. Or maybe asking, how can we organize society in a more just and equitable way? A question that includes dozens of others that virtually everyone is asking at the moment. What if these are the questions that a missionary or a missionary church is meant to be answering? God has always answered these questions through communities. He's always had a people who are his beloved, who are sent into his world as heralds of a new one. And even these pairs of two are tiny communities that are meant to depict an alternative purpose for the world. Communities that are living as if God really is present in this carpenter from Nazareth. I quoted Leslie Newbegin in your bulletin in the front, and he says, how is it possible that the gospel should be credible, that people should come to believe that the power which has the last word in human affairs is represented by a man hanging on a cross? I am suggesting that the only answer, the only hermeneutic of the gospel is a congregation of men and women who believe it and live by it. In big urban centers around the country, you'll find communities of exiles, Russian, Samoan, Japanese, Chinese. Our Chinatown here in Portland isn't all that much, but in places like San Francisco, New York City, it's an actual community that reproduces somewhat The homeland, it's not a perfect replica, but it's similar enough to give a sense of what life in a Chinese city might be like. The cuisine is different, the signage is different, the predominant language is different, the values in family life are different. Now you know if you visit Chinatown or one of these other ethnic enclaves that you you haven't really been transported to China, but it's close enough to give a sense of what traveling there might be like. The church is to be an alternative society, an alternative community that embodies the life and the teachings of Jesus. Now, it's a replica rather than an exact duplicate, but ideally, it should provide a sense of what it's like to live in Jesus' kingdom to believe the message that God has not forgotten his world, that he has not abandoned his people, and that in Jesus he is asserting his kingly rule in the world by creating communities of grace all over the world, communities that 
defy societal logic of power, communities that don't seek to dominate but seek to welcome, communities where the lines of racial division are brought down intentionally and powerfully, communities that embrace the sinful, the broken, the marginalized, communities that assess value and purpose differently, and communities that live sacrificially on behalf of others rather than for their own interests, thus hopefully provoking the world at large to imagine different answers to the questions that all of us are asking. If the mission is announcing that the kingdom has come near in Jesus, then it must first have come near to us, to in town, as well as to you. And so I think we all need to ask this morning, what are we living for? What is our mission in life? And I mean that really, that today, that you will in some way ask these questions of yourself. This week, maybe take out your journal or just a sheet of paper or maybe go for a long walk and ask, what is my mission? What is my driving purpose? What do I believe about happiness? What do I believe about fulfillment? Am I willing to sacrifice myself for the good of others? What am I living for? And why do we as a church exist? If our mission is announcing that the kingdom has come near in Jesus, then it must first have come near to us. How can we more fully replicate that reality in the life of our church? How can we more fully replicate the desires of God in our, in our city? Jesus came and he lived for you, for us. His mission was our freedom. His mission was our rescue. What gave meaning to his life was bringing us home. It was giving up his life so that we could have it. And he gave up everything so that we can find answers to the most central of human questions. And so that you and I, through the church, can bring those answers to others. Let's pray that that would be the case. Let's pray now. Father, I pray that you would announce your kingdom purposes through your church, through in town. Father, we pray that in order, we know that in order for that to happen, that we have encountered the values of the kingdom, that we have adopted them, that we have invited and welcomed your presence into our midst. And so I pray as we consider coming back to a, a public space of doing the ministry of the church, that we would think about these things, that we would think about not only what is our mission in life, but how is that mission connected with the mission of the church, that we would think thoughtfully and, and creatively about these things, and that we would have a sustained effort in our church to consider how we might, might better reproduce your promises so that they would provoke others to consider that the promise of life is truly found in Jesus, the carpenter 
from Nazareth. And we pray in his name. Amen.